Hello and welcome to the Victory Alabang podcast. You're listening to a message from our preaching series entitled Here and Now. Together we'll discover what it means to live our lives for the kingdom of God. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you today. Good afternoon everyone. My name is Bodhi. I'm one of the pastors here in Victory. And you know, we're talking about advancing God's kingdom. That's a very, uh, one of the interesting topics of Christianity, the kingdom of God. Um, it's usually a topic that raises a lot of questions. For some, it creates confusion because they couldn't fully grasp the concept of the kingdom of God. And you know, when we talk about the kingdom of God, it's simply defined as the reign of God. The reign of God in a specific area, a specific sphere, specific nation, or even in the lives of His people. And when we talk about the kingdom of God, when we talk about advancing God's kingdom, a lot of people ask, advancing God's kingdom, so you're saying that the kingdom is already here. Then they start asking questions. If the kingdom is already here, why am I still experiencing trials and hardships? When we look around, why is there still poverty? Why do we have criminals that are, you know, just going out there unpunished? And a lot of other questions are being asked. The people ask, is the kingdom of God a present reality that I can enjoy? Or is it a future hope that I look forward to? That's, those are just some of the questions that we are going to answer in our series, the kingdom series entitled Here and Now. And through this series, we will learn that the kingdom of God is actually both. It is a present reality that we can experience and we can enjoy through Jesus Christ. And it is also a future hope that we can look forward to. Now, we live in a day and age where there's um, you know, a lot of online promotion or even online shopping. And we, we've seen a lot of memes uh, that tackle expectation versus reality. And you know, I've recently just experienced that. Um, my favorite fries are back in town. And uh, the other day, I actually went uh, to, to get some. And you know, on the poster, it looks really glorious. You know, the fries are really coming out of the box. But when I got it from my drive-thru, I mean, the box wasn't even that full. So, but don't worry, you know, I was still happy because it tastes glorious still. But you know, we live in a day and age where we know the promotional material usually does not match what we get. Um, whether it's uh, food from our favorite fast food, fries, burger, shopao, or even the things that we get from online shopping sites. Have you, have you ever experienced ordering something and getting a different thing? And you know, you just say, hirap ng return eh. Di ba, na lang. You know, and we have expectations when it comes to online shopping and promotions, but at the same time, there are also expectations and assumptions when it comes to the kingdom of God. And if we are not fully aware of what it is, our expectations that are not met can lead to disappointment. And it could lead to us not taking part in what we are supposed to do in the kingdom. So that's actually what we're going to tackle in this series. Um, the kingdom of God is a present reality, but it's a future hope that we look forward to as well. If you still haven't wrapped your mind around it, we can liken the kingdom of God to seasons. Seasons. When my family and I were planning a trip to Japan, we wanted to go there to witness the cherry blossoms. And we all know that the Sakura season happens in the month of April. 
So April 1st, that begins, the, the Sakura season begins. But we know that April 1st, you don't see the trees in full bloom. But you know that the season has begun. So it is, it, the season happens until finally, you know, whether the third week or the fourth week, the flowers are in full bloom. And that's when we see when the season fully is fully realized or fully consummated. So we know that even if we haven't seen the trees that are pink, we know that, you know, the season is already upon us. That's the same thing with the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is already upon us. It is growing. It is advancing. But it hasn't been fully consummated. You know, when we talk about His kingdom, a lot of us have expectations. We expect it to be pure and perfect. Pure in the sense that only the righteous ones would remain. The people who would choose to worship Him and praise Him. And all the others, you know, they would be dealt with accordingly. And we expect it to be perfect. No sin, no problems, no tears, no trials. But, you know, not, not experiencing that, still experiencing challenges, trials, even if there is evil around, that doesn't mean that the kingdom is not here. The kingdom is already here. It's just not a kingdom that would be set up immediately as what we are expecting. And those are just some of the things that we would continue to learn in this series. The kingdom of God is not one that will be immediately and fully set up, but it's one that is growing, one that is advancing in the hearts of the people who would choose to believe in Him. And it will continue to advance as the people who surrender their lives to Him, us, would continue to proclaim it and would continue to live it out so that the kingdom that seems to be invisible would be visible in our lives because we have Him working in us. This series aims to give us a clearer picture of the kingdom and, uh, you know, we will be reading different stories for the next four weeks uh, from the book of Matthew chapter 13. So today I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew 13. We're going to be reading verses 24 to 30. We're going to talk about the parable of the weeds. I'll start reading from verse 24. It says there, He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed seeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came down and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. That is the word of the Lord for us today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful time. We thank you for your presence in this place. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you will be our teacher today. Be the one to open our minds, be the one to open our hearts and allow us to receive the message that you have for us. And I thank you that you are a personal God. I know that your message will minister to us and you will give us the wisdom on how we can apply it in our lives. Once again, older God, we thank you that we will not leave this place without being transformed, without being enlightened, without the picture of the kingdom being clear to us. And I pray that it would move us 
to take part in the advancement of your kingdom. Bless the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the concept of the kingdom of God, it has been talked about as early as the Old Testament. God somehow placed words in the hearts of the prophets so that that these prophets could declare it to his people, the Israelites. And these prophecies came in a form of a promise. This, This was spoken during the time when Israel was in exile. They were captured. They were slaves. And they weren't very happy about their situation. Now, through the prophecies, God declared that there would be a great king who would come. A king who would save them from their enemies. A king who would set them free. A king who would rule justly and righteously forever. A king who would establish his kingdom that will reign for eternity. And you know, everyone was looking forward to that. We actually see one of those prophecies in the book of Daniel. It says in Daniel 7, 13 to 14, I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. So the Israelites who were in exile and were conquered, waited for the promised king for centuries. They were waiting for him to come. And just like the kings who took over kingdoms during their time, they were expecting this king to come and to, you know, kill all of their enemies and to take over that kingdom and to sit on the throne. That was their picture of what, you know, the new government will become. But we know that that is what, not what happened. We know that God has different plans in mind. That wasn't his way of establishing a kingdom here on earth. And one more thing, the people expected this kingdom to happen all at once. Once the king appears, give him probably a week or two, and all of a sudden they would be set free and everything will be perfect here on earth. So that is the picture that the Israelites had about the kingdom of God. But again, God's ways are different. And he was going to correct this mindset in the minds and in the hearts of the disciples through stories. So for the next four weeks, we are actually going to talk about stories. And stories are, you know, I love stories. And I'm sure all of us here love stories. Do you agree with me? Whether it's a movie, it's a teledrama, it's a K-drama that you're watching, or whether it's a, a book, or probably a story of, uh, you know, people you know. Those are the best kinds of stories according to people, stories about people. So, you know, we all love it. And it, stories usually, a, a lot of times, really excite me. So I'm really excited for this series. But... Here's the thing. The stories that we are going to discuss are not ordinary stories. The stories that we are going to discuss are actually called parables. So what makes parables different? Parables are actually simple, real-life, relatable, daily stories where we could glean a lot of wisdom, you know, about daily life. But here's the thing. It, It may have an earthly meaning but it also has a meaning behind it, a heavenly meaning that would only be revealed to those people who would seek God, to those people who really desire to understand the Word of God. So, you know, when we talk about parables, why did Jesus talk in the form of parables? Well, during His time, there were a lot of people following Him, a lot of different people. We all know that Jesus was a crowd drawer. So we know that 
there were crowds following him. Those people who really didn't know him, who just wanted to see what, what's he gonna do, what's he gonna say. Kumbaga, nakikiusi lang. They were there, and there were those people who, are, who were his disciples. Those people who did not only physically follow him, those people who followed him with their hearts. Those who were committed to obeying him and obeying his statutes. And there are also those Pharisees who kept following him around. The Pharisees, they followed him around not because they wanted to learn from him, but because they were waiting for him to say something that they could use to incriminate Jesus, that they could use to put him in prison, or that they can use, you know, to have him killed. So as Jesus was talking about concepts of the kingdom, he wanted to reveal it to a specific group of people, and those were his disciples. So the key to unlocking parables is really having open hearts and understanding not with our own wisdom, but with the wisdom of God. We have seven parables in the book of Matthew chapter 13. And, you know, six of those are about the kingdom. The first one is actually called the grandfather of all parables. It's the parable of the sower. And, you know, it's just a simple story about a farmer as well and what he did was he had good seed in his hand and he just started to scatter the seed. And it fell on different kinds of soil. Some fell on the pathway, some fell on the rocky soil, some fell on the thorny soil, and some fell on the good soil. And at the end of the story, um, you know, some, some of the plants sprouted in the other paths, but it did not grow. It was only the, the seeds that landed on the good soil that grew and bore fruit. And you know, there is a heavenly meaning behind it. It's not just a tip to plant your seed on good soil. There's a heavenly meaning behind it. The seeds, the disciples actually asked Jesus, please explain it to us. And these were one of the parables that Jesus explained. So that's why we say this is the key to unlocking some of the parables because it somehow shows the insight that Jesus has when he tells this story. The seeds are actually the seeds of the Word of God. And you know, you might think we're talking about four different people because it fell on four different soil. But in truth, we're just talking about two people. There's the good soil, those people who hear the word of God, and those people who desire to follow it and truly understand it. And then we have those that fell on the other soil, rocky, thorny pathway. These are the people who simply heard the word of God, no processing happened, entered here, exited here. And you know, if that the key here is that if you truly want to understand the Word of God, if you want true life change to happen, it's important for us to have open hearts, good soil, that would allow the Word to sink down deep in our hearts. And, you know, people who would process and ask, how can I apply this in my life? And when it comes to the other parables, that's the key to unlocking them as well. Asking, inquiring, coming to God, asking for the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And we know that when we ask wisdom from God, it's something that He will never withhold from us. So we go back to the parable of the weeds. There was a good farmer who planted good seed on his field. So they covered the whole field. Now, when they had finished, of course, they were tired. It was time to rest. So while they were sleeping at nighttime, someone came, the enemy, and he scattered bad seeds on the field. You know, uh, of course, his purpose was to destroy the good crops that the, the good farmer had planted. Now, it took some time, but when it was near harvest, the servants of the farmer saw that there were, other, there were weeds growing on their crops. 
And you know, they were wondering what happened. And what the servants wanted to do, they wanted to pluck out the weeds right, right that very moment. And the master told them, you know, I don't think it's wise for us to do that. Let's just wait for the harvest. That's when we harvest them all together. And that's when we will separate them. It's pretty straightforward, right? That's the end of the story. It's pretty straightforward. And when we look at it, we might think that we're just getting wisdom and farming tips. You know, when there are weeds, wait for the harvest, then just pluck them out altogether and set them. Then that's when you segregate them. But we know that that's not the reason why Jesus told this story. There's something behind it. There is a heavenly meaning. When we look at the start of the parable, again, six out of the seven parables in Matthew chapter 13 start with this. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to, or the kingdom of heaven is like. So we know that these simple stories actually give us truths and insights about the kingdom of heaven. It corrects some wrong mindsets, some wrong assumptions, so that we can respond to Jesus, we can respond to the advancement of his kingdom accordingly. So my question is, what does this story mean to us? What does it say about the kingdom of God? And more importantly, why farming? Again, that's the key to understanding not only parables, but the word of God. It's important that we interface with it. It's important that we ask questions. It's important that we inquire. And, you know, parables are actually invitations to come to God to come to Jesus so that he could explain to us the meaning of these things. So let's answer those questions one by one. Number one, why farming? Why do you think farming uh, was a very famous story that Jesus told? It's actually very simple because during that time, that was the in thing. Agriculture was big. Almost everyone was planting. And when it came to parables, he wanted it to become relatable. He wanted it to become something that the people could latch on to. You know, if Jesus told the parable during our day and age, he probably wouldn't use farming. What do you think he would use? Probably social media. You know, probably this story would sound like um, there's, a, there's a business owner that promoted his product on Facebook. When he posted that promo, he slept. And while he was sleeping, his rival created a dummy account and left a mean comment, a bad review on that post. Now, the friends of this business owner saw the, saw the comment and they started defending the business owner. And when the business owner woke up, he woke up to messages from his friends saying, delete that comment so your business won't be affected. And, you know, the business owner simply replied, I think I'll leave it there because I know that in time they would realize that it's not true. The end. So see, it's a story that we can relate with, Yes. But unfortunately, if we tell this story to the people back in Jesus' time, they would not know what we are saying. So for today, we're going back to farming. So yeah, that's the, plainly the reason why it's about planting, it's about farming, it's about agriculture, because that was the in thing during that time. And the next question, what does this story mean to us? Before we understand what this means to us, it's important for us to first understand what it meant to the ori original audience. So today we'll go back in time, we'll try to understand what was happening, why did Jesus share this parable about the kingdom of God? During the ministry of Jesus Christ, the Jewish people were under the Roman Empire. Again, they were conquered, they were submitted to foreign rulers, and they did not enjoy it, they did not like it. 
So just the same thing, the Israelites in the Old Testament were exiled, were conquered. It happened again right now. And still they had that same hope for this promised king to come, for that prophesied king, for this kingdom that they have been waiting for, the righteous kingdom that would reign forever, that would set them free from all of their problems, from all of their enemies. They were waiting for that to come. Now, a lot of them did not realize that the king that they were waiting for was already in front of them. They were probably expecting a king of royal descent. You know, probably a prince who was waiting to be crowned. Someone who was, you know, was com wearing complete armor. Someone who was on a high horse. Someone who was wielding a sword. A sword that he will use to kill all of the enemies and, you know, eventually just sit on the throne. A sword that would lead them to victory. But, you know, we know that God is different in His ways. He sent a king, but not a warrior king. He sent a servant king, a humble king. He wasn't riding a high horse. He was riding a donkey. And, you know, even though he was very different from what they expected, there were people who used their spiritual eyes to see beyond their expectations. They saw the power. They saw the authority. They saw the wisdom of this man called Jesus Christ. Jesus. And... You know, that's when they saw this is the king that has come to save all of us. They did not know how he was going to do it. That's why if you remember from our previous series, Grace Changes Everything, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Everyone was following him because they were curious. Is this the time when he's going to take over the kingdom and finally sit on the throne? They wanted to see what he was going to do. But we know that as he was traveling to Jerusalem, he wasn't going there to topple the Roman Empire. He was actually going there to defeat an even greater enemy. He was going there to defeat sin. He was going there to defeat death. He was going there to defeat the devil. And you know, again, God's ways are different. And as he died on that cross, as he resurrected again, that's when the kingdom of God even became more visible. As people started declaring Jesus is Lord. Again, he wasn't going to establish a physical kingdom. He was establishing a spiritual kingdom that would happen, that would grow in the hearts of the people that would choose to believe. So we know that that was the beginning, you know, of the advancement of the kingdom, that, that, that as Jesus Christ died and rose again. And now we have to, you know, the people during that time, by the way, they were expecting this king to come to destroy all of their enemies so that only the righteous would remain. So now we have two parallel stories. Remember our parable. There were good seeds and bad seeds that grew into crops. And as they saw that there was bad crops, there were bad crops, the servants, they wanted to somehow take the bad crops away so that only the good will stay. And here we have the Israelites who, was, who were waiting for the king and they wanted him to segregate the evil from the righteous. They wanted him to take care of the righteous, to set them, to, to drive them away. So we have two parallel stories, and you see the similarities between the two. Yes? So, you know, after Jesus told the story about the parable of the weeds, a lot of people were baffled. They were thinking, huh? You know, they were probably scratching their head, ano daw? That was the end of the story. I don't know what to get from it. And it wasn't only the crowds. It wasn't only the Pharisees who felt this way. Even the disciples felt this way. It says here, Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And you know, 
This is one of the greatest lessons that we can learn from this story. Me personally, this spoke a lot to me. There are times when we could not understand the Word of God. When we read and we feel like, I don't know what it means to me. What do we do when we hit moments like that? If we're being honest. No, we set it aside probably and say, not the Word for me today. Or probably when someone asks us a question about the Word of God and we don't know the answer. What's the temptation? Even if we don't know the answer, just to answer whatever sounds good so that we would look intelligent. You know, just assume, oh yeah, this is, this is what I heard. You know, it's important when we don't understand the Word of God to admit it to ourselves. I could not understand this with my own wisdom. And the best thing to do is to come to Him. Reveal your Word to me, to seek Him. And you know, again, that's what parables are, are meant to do, to invite us to seek God in a deeper way. And we know that when we seek Him, we will find Him. We will know what is in His heart. So anyway, when the disciples came to Him, He explained the parable. Again, fortunately, these are one, this is one of the parables that Jesus explained. So we don't really have to you know, go here and do a brainstorming of what it really meant. Matthew 13, 37 to 39, it says, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. So the good farmer is Jesus Christ. The field is the world. And the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The good seed is those who believe in Jesus Christ, those who are righteous, declared righteous, not because of our works, but because of what Jesus has done. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. So those who are living in disobedience, those who don't believe in Jesus Christ are called Weeds. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. So you see, you know, if I'm being honest, uh, every time we talk about parables, I'm really challenged. Because I want to be careful not to interpret it based on my inclinations. Because when we read parables and we want it to mean a certain thing, it's so easy for us to assign, oh, the good the, the, the good farmer is me, and you know, I'm called to plant the seeds of the Word of God. It's, it's very easy for us to think that way, but it's not always right. That's why it's important to always ask of God to understand the context of what was happening during that time, to fully understand what the, what the parable really meant. So, you know, there was a good farmer, Jesus, there was a bad farmer, the devil. Good seeds, bad seeds, and it eventually grew. And it says a lot about the kingdom of God. Again, remember, expectation about the kingdom of God is that it would be pure, that only the righteous would remain. So a lot of people think that because there's evil, the kingdom is not yet here. But it says here, the kingdom of God is like a field where there are good crops and bad crops. So the kingdom is indeed here. It hasn't been fully consummated, but it is already here even if we are coexisting with each other. Now, the bad seeds that were scattered are probably tares. So tares are like the twins of wheat. You can't really distinguish one from the other unless you look closely. And I actually have a picture here. There you go. The, the crop on the right are wheat, is wheat, and the, the crop on the left, that's a tear. Now, when you look at the tear, it actually looks like wheat that hasn't really bloomed to its fullest. But in truth, that's already what it looks like. So you see, it's very hard to distinguish one from the other. And what the servants wanted to do, they wanted to pluck out, to pluck out the bad crop so that only the good crop would remain. But the master said, it would be near impossible for us 
to pluck out the good, the bad crop without affecting the good crop. So he told them, let's wait for the harvest. And what is the harvest? The end of the age, where we will all face judgment. Now, it shows that the kingdom of God is a kingdom where both the evil and the good can coexist initially. Of course, there will be a time where it will be a pure kingdom, but that would be towards the end of age when judgment would come. But for the meantime, we will coexist with each other. And we have to be very careful because if we're looking at this, again, it's hard to distinguish the good crop from the bad crop. It's hard to distinguish the sons of the kingdom from the sons of the evil one because they say the sons of the evil one would actually look like the sons of the kingdom. And us, with our limited knowledge, it would be near impossible for us to know which is which, who is who. It, we can't go around and, you know, just walk in the mall and say, oh, that guy, you know, he just cursed, he's going to hell. Or, naku, yung boss ko, napakasama na ugali, impyerno punta nun. And then when someone is good to you, you know, oh, that person smiled at me, he always treats me for lunch, he's going to go to heaven. We can't base it on our own knowledge. Only God knows, only Jesus knows who are His for sure and who belongs to the enemy. So in truth, as like these crops, it's important for us to understand that our job as citizens of the kingdom of God is not to judge, it's not to condemn, it's not to punish. Our job as the citizens of the kingdom of God, like these crops, is to grow. Simply to grow, to grow more in our knowledge of Jesus, to know more in His grace, to grow more in His love, to grow more in His compassion. It's important for us to, you know, to somehow reflect what we believe in. And you know, in truth, apart from Jesus Christ, which crop do you think we would be? Apart from Jesus Christ, we, are also, we would be the tares. We would also be sons of disobedience, we would also be sons of the evil one. Under his, you know, under his rulership, under his spell. It, it says in Ephesians 2, 1 to 2, this talks about our former life. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Prior to us knowing Jesus Christ, prior to us surrendering to His Lordship, to His Kingship, and allowing Him to reign in our lives, sin was reigning in our life. The enemy was in control of our life. Any temptation that is presented before us will take it because it feels good. Whether you, you were you know, rebelling on purpose or whether you were just finding pleasures for yourself, it's the same thing. We used to be under the spell of the enemy. We used to be in His kingdom. And there are still times, if we are being honest to ourselves, that we allow Him to control us, that we allow Him to use us to hurt other people, that we allow Him to use us to break other people with cruel words, with cruel actions. And I pray that we would not allow Him to do that because as sons of the kingdom, we are no longer under His rulership. We have been set free from that. We used to be blinded. Now we have been set free from the chains and our eyes have been opened. And we know that there is a battle happening. So I pray that we would not allow Him to, to control us. We would not allow Him to destroy us, to destroy our relationships. Because in truth, that is the very reason why He planted the bad seeds, the bad crops, to destroy the good crop. And why were the good crops planted by the good farmer? 
to be the light in this dark world. He planted the good seeds for us to be the ambassadors, the witnesses of the kingdom, for us to declare this kingdom that is here and now but hasn't been fully um, consummated. For every person who receives Jesus Christ, for every person who knows about the kingdom, that's the kingdom advancing. And our heart is to proclaim this kingdom, to invite more people to, to the rulership, to the lordship of Jesus Christ until every person in this world enters that kingdom. That is our heart. So my question is, how does one turn away from being sons of the evil one? It's very simple. It actually says in the Bible, if we want to be sons of the kingdom or sons of God, all we have to do is to receive Jesus Christ, to believe in His name, and we will have the right to become children of God. So you know, if you're here today and you're still on the edge, I don't know where I stand. I encourage you, Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart today. He's talking to you. He's inviting you to believe in His name so that you too would be, would be part of this kingdom that is advancing, this kingdom that will rule forever, this kingdom, this Savior, this King that gives us joy, peace, and eternal life, salvation. And that is the very reason why Jesus came, to open our spiritual eyes that have been blinded by the enemy, to bring us out of darkness into the light, and to free us from the chain of sins, to set us free from the reign of the enemy and to allow his reign to happen in our lives. One thing though, for those who receive Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior already, the moment you receive Jesus Christ, how many minutes or hours did it take for you to realize that sin was still a part of you? Probably took just a few minutes, yes? So we see that when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, it does not automatically mean that we are transformed to being good people that we will never sin anymore. We're actually the same people. It's just that our spirits have been brought to life and it will take a transformation for us to be able to become more Christ-like, to become the people that He has called us to be. When we receive Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, what happens is that our sins are forgiven. Whatever we have done in the past, you know, those are, that's erased and we are given the perfect record of Jesus Christ. We are declared righteous. And that righteousness gives us a ticket to enter heaven, to be with Jesus for eternity. That is what we call justification. But again, it does not end in justification. As we are justified, our heart is to reflect the character of Jesus Christ in our lives. Our heart is to bear fruit. Our heart is to be salt and light in this world. And that is not something that automatically happens. It happens as we submit to His reign. It happens as we start to allow Him to be the Lord of our lives. This does not, justification does not get rid of bad habits and our sinful nature. What we face after justification is what we call sanctification. It is the process of transformation. Every day as we submit to the Holy Spirit, as we submit to Jesus Christ, as we read and understand this word and choose to obey it, every day we are transformed from glory to glory to glory to glory until the final day, the end of times where we will be glorified, where that, that's the time when we will be once again restored to our perfect, you know, the perfect creation that God intended us to be. But here we know that it does not mean that if you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, sin stops. So there are actually people, even us in this place, 
even if we have Jesus in our hearts, we still continue to sin. And if people see that we are still sinning, and if you are judgmental, what would you think? What would you think about ourselves? Christian pa naman, mukhang hindi saved, nagkakasala pa rin eh. If we have that, you know, judgmental mindset. But we have to remember righteousness and evil go beyond the external. Because again, we cannot distinguish both. There are good people, there are seemingly good people, but in truth are sons of the, the evil one. And there are sons of the evil one that seem like good people. Hard to distinguish the, the two. Only Jesus knows what is in the heart. And, you know, this is where we see that new and even old believers, even if they believe in Jesus Christ, even if we are saved, we can still act in ungodly ways. We can still, you know, live in sin, if we're being honest, because we are in the process of sanctification. So, that's why it's so hard to judge. Because me, personally, I grew up in church. I grew up attending Sunday school. I grew up attending Christian schools. So every day, I would have interface with the Word of God, whether it was, you know, forced by the teacher or, you know, me reading the Word of God. But, you know, I had interface with the Word of God. But as I grew up, as I was a teenager, I lived my life, you know, drinking excessively and cursing excessively. I don't think I was really reflecting who Jesus Christ was. And if I were to look at myself five years ago, I would say that I was a terror. I would say that I was supposed to be punished. I, was, I would say that, you know, this person looks like he's going to hell if I'm being judgmental, if I'm basing it on externals. But then again, you know, we don't know what's in the person's heart. During that time, I was living like a tear, but in truth, I believe Jesus with all of my heart. And, you know, I, I pray that we, we will be people who, you know, are not content with that because we know that we have been planted. We know that we have been saved, not just for ourselves. We are saved for a purpose. We are saved for a mission. And that is to advance the kingdom of God. And how can we advance the kingdom of God if we ourselves continue to live in sin? How can we, how can we show people that the kingdom is here if we ourselves are living in sin? Where's the kingdom in your life? Where's the reign of Jesus Christ? It's important for us to go through the process of sanctification. It's important for us like these crops to grow in character to surrender to Jesus Christ, to surrender to the Holy Spirit, so that through our lives, people would see that the kingdom is truly here. As we extend the love, as we extend the compassion, as we extend patience to difficult people, that's when the light will shine brightest, the light of Jesus that is in us. And again, let us remember that that is the very purpose why we are here in this world. As we become, citizens, as we become sons of the kingdom, we are no longer citizens of this world. We are citizens of heaven. And you know, we are to live like citizens of heaven in this world. And I pray that they would see a difference in the lives of the tares and in the lives of the wheat. Now, that's why I'd like to encourage you today. Again, when we talk about people who are saved, there's no such thing as a perfect Christian or a perfect believer. So you know, you might be sitting here and you might have been stumbled by some people in the past. You know, he's a Christian, why did he do that? They aren't supposed to do that. Again, there's no such thing as a perfect believer. And I tell you as well, there are a lot of people who hop from one church to another looking for a perfect church. And you know, you stay in a while for a church, but once you get offended, I don't like that church. They're not, they're not good. You know, if that's our attitude, we will never find the perfect church. Because in truth, the people who are in church are actually sinners in the process of sanctification. So, you know, you will get offended. People will somehow... There are people who will hurt you, but at the end of the day, we're not here to judge. Again, 
once we see people living in sin, I pray that our response would not be to, you know, this person needs to be punished. I pray that our response would be, you know, this person needs to encounter the love of Jesus all the more. And I pray that I get to show it to him. All of us are a work in progress. We all grow at a different pace. So we shouldn't compare ourselves with others. And we shouldn't ask others to be at our pace as well. Let God work in their lives. As crops, again, our job is to grow. To grow in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. And as crops planted to be ambassadors and witnesses, our job is to help other people grow as well. To grow in their knowledge of Jesus Christ. Leave the judging, leave the separation to the master, to Jesus Christ, who is the only one who sees our hearts. Now, a lot of people would say, judgment will happen at the end of time, at the end of the age. Does that mean that, you know, God doesn't really care about sin that much? Shouldn't He punish people right away when they sin? And you know, as we ask that question, I ask you guys, do you think if sin were punished at the moment it was done, do you think any of us would be here? Actually, judgment happening at the end of time is God showing us His amazing grace. Is God showing us His amazing love. God showing us His patience. Patience with the heart saying, you know, this person might be lost right now, but I, I want him to come to me and I will give him time. I will, you know, people will reach out to him and he will give us the opportunity to be able to come into the kingdom. And I thank God that we are all here today, responded to that call. And we know that that is only possible because he opened our spiritual eyes, all for the glory of God. But again, that doesn't mean that sin will not be punished because it says clearly in the parable, Matthew 40, 13, 40 to 42, just as the weeds are gathered and burned with the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels and they will gather out His kingdom, all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and thrown them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we see that eventually, the sons of the evil one will be separated, will be divided from the, from the righteous. The righteous will be rewarded the evil will be punished. And the tares were thrown into the fire. Same thing, those people who deliberately rejected Jesus Christ, those who did not choose to believe Him, unfortunately, will be thrown to the fire, will be thrown to hell. And you know, I pray that as we talk about these things, that it would not create pride in our hearts, saying that we are saved. Because in truth, again, apart from Jesus Christ, we are tares. And we, we should be suffering the same thing. So I pray that every time we talk about this judgment, that it would not excite us thinking of evil people. Yes, he deserves that. Yes, I pray that he, he goes to hell. I pray that we won't be people like that. In fact, every time we think about the judgment, I pray that we would look at people, especially those people who haven't come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ yet, that we would look at them with so much love and compassion. The way that Jesus is patient with them. The way that Jesus is hoping that they would not suffer. And how do we express that? I pray that every time that someone is struggling with sin, every time that someone is, you know, acting like a tear, that we would not come to judgment and say, you know, that's what he deserves. He chose that. I pray that we would not even ask, is this a person, is this a believer, or is this, is this a wheat, or is this a tear? Because in truth, it does not mean anything to us. It shouldn't mean anything to us. Whether that person who is in need is a tear or a wheat, as people of God, as sons of the kingdom, we should reach out to that person and help him grow. 
That's how we advance the kingdom of God. By helping each other surrender every area of our life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And eventually, as we surrender every area, we encourage other people to do the same. And that's how the kingdom grows. The reign of God continues to advance, continues to grow in the life of every person that comes into His kingdom. Again, wonderful show of God's grace. He is very patient. He gives us time to repent. And we see that in 2 Peter 2, 3 verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. I pray that as God calls us, as we are all growing, the moment He calls us that we would respond because we don't want for us to suffer the fate of the tares. And more importantly, we don't want anyone to suffer that fate. And you know the truth of the matter? If we are people, if we are believers who are just content with being saved, that we would just sit down and keep our mouths shut, it's like telling the people of the world, it's okay for me, it's okay for you to be tares and to be burned at the end of the age. I don't think that's us growing in our heart growing more like Jesus Christ. So I pray that we would continue again, not to judge, but to focus on our growth, to focus on helping each other, helping other people grow. That is the very essence of this, of this parable. That as sons of the kingdom, we are not to judge. We are to grow and we are to help others grow. And you know what we can look forward to? As we have that, Assurance that we, are, that we have Jesus Christ in our lives, that we are part of this kingdom that would reign forever, for eternity. We have the judgment to look forward to. The kingdom of God is here and now. The future hope is the judgment. And you know, when we are believers, it is something that we do not fear. Because we know that during the judgment, the believers, those who are sons of the kingdom, will not be punished but will be rewarded. That's what it says in Matthew 13, 43 to 44. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. At the end of this, this age, no matter, you know, how, no matter how difficult life in this world was, no matter what challenges we face, we can look forward to this, us rising like the sun, because we know that the kingdom of our father is a kingdom that has been established, is a kingdom that has already been won. A kingdom that has already won the battle, the war against the other kingdom, the kingdom of the evil one. So I pray that that would be our heart. We enjoy the benefits of the kingdom. We look forward to the kingdom being pure and perfect, no problems, no sin, no evil. But right now, we can also enjoy the kingdom. Because right now, a lot of its benefits are already here and now. The peace and the joy that can only come from Jesus Christ is available for us. His wisdom is available for us. His salvation is available for each and every one of us. Assurance of being with Him for eternity is here. And you know, His very presence is something that we can enjoy right now thanks to what Jesus Christ has done. And when we talk about heaven, when we talk about that future hope that we are all joyfully looking forward to, what do you think makes heaven special? Is it the mansions? Is it the treasures? Is it the gold there? Is it the pearls? Or is it the presence of God? What makes heaven a beautiful place is the very presence of God. And I tell you, it's something that we can experience here and now. And I pray that we would be led, as, as we appreciate it, as we praise God for it, that we would be led to encourage other people 
to experience this love and His presence in their lives as well. And all it takes is for us to preach the gospel to each and every one of them. This parable ends with, He who has ears, let him hear. Jesus is actually inviting the people you know, to seek Him. And not only to seek His word, but to obey His word, to put it deep in their hearts. And I pray that just as God has spoken to each and every one of us here, as He has invited us into this kingdom, and as He has invited us to proclaim this kingdom, not only with our lips, but with our lives, that we would gladly set aside our own personal desires, that we would gladly put our dreams in second place, because our top priority is His mission, is His purpose. And that is to advance His kingdom because we know that it is something that we can look forward to. Every person in this world praising Him, lifting Him, lifting him up on high because we know that He deserves nothing less. As we have heard the word, I pray that we would respond with open hearts. I pray that we would respond saying, I want to be part of this kingdom and I want to be part of this mission of advancing it. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.vicryalabang.church.